I just feel humble and grateful that I'm here. And that's that's the thing that I just over and over play in my head every day, you know? Great, just be grateful for what you do have. I just had the most heartwarming discussion with Rodrigo Yescas telling me about his family's travels from Mexico to the U.S. when he was five years old, the trials and tribulations and difficulties encountered, and how that has shaped him into the man he is today. I think you're going to really enjoy hearing from Rodrigo Yescas. Today, I have an opportunity to sit with Rodrigo Yescas. Rodrigo, really looking forward to hearing your story. Thank you. I'm really excited to kind of just show you guys and show you in particular and just talk about how, you know, my life and the situation that I'm in and how I got here too. So Love to hear about it. So first, just tell us uh, what, what you do for CNG and how long you've been here. Uh, as of right now, I am a quality tech. Um, I've been here for two years. I will be hitting my three year here in September, on September 15th. Where were you working before here? Uh, I was actually working at Stone Trailers, but I was also a quality monitor there. Yeah. yeah. So you like the quality field? I do. I really enjoy it. I just like the, uh, I'm very detailed oriented. Mm -hmm. So I, I like paying attention to specific details. Yeah. Well, it's so important. You do an awesome job for us. Thank you. So, Rodrigo, um, tell me a little bit about your life outside of work. Maybe a little bit about how you grew up. What was childhood like for you? Um, my childhood was a little strange. So, I actually was not born in the United States. I was born in Oaxaca, Mexico. Um, it's south uh -huh. of... It's very south. Uh, it's next to the ocean. But I was, I was born in Oaxaca, um, April 26, 1995. Um, growing up there was difficult because we, I grew up in poverty. So, and my dad at the time was a very big alcoholic. Mm. So basically it was just my mom taking care of me. Um, you're the only child. I have a sister, but she was actually born here. Ah, okay. So, um, but yeah, down there I was the only child. I was the only child for a while, but uh, my dad, it, we just had a really difficult time. My mom was doing everything on her own. Um, she didn't really work or anything. It was just my dad. And at the time, I think he was in the military too. Uh, so right around when I was, right around when I was born, my dad had, I think he was intoxicating one night and he talked to one of my uncles and my uncle was like, hey, I'm going back to the United States. Do you want to come with? And my dad, because he was so intoxicated, he's like, yeah, I'm going to go with so he made that big decision. And then the next morning, um, my uncle came back and told him, hey, like, I'm leaving this week, this weekend, just to let you know. And he's like, I already got everything set up for you to come with. So at that time, my dad was like, wow, what did I, what have I just done? You mm -hmm. know, like, I just had a kid. I just got married. I have my wife. Um, but he had to go through it because in order to get here, uh, you sacrifice, obviously, your life. But it's a lot of money to come here because you have to buy and pay a guide to get you here. So he couldn't back out. So he told my mom, they talked about it. So probably six months after I was born, not even maybe, um, he came over. So I never really got to meet my dad. Really? Yeah. So he came over. He was here up until I was like four and a half. 
Um, and then he came back to, to Mexico. And I remember just going to the airport with my mom. And I remember him having this long hair. And I just remember my mom crying, but I didn't know why. Yeah. Come to find out that was my dad. I didn't know that was my dad. And I do remember him handing me this uh, carton of, it was McDonald's, but it had a Big Mac in there. So he brought it all the way back from the United States through the plane. He brought it to me because down there, that's a luxury. McDonald's is a luxury down there. Wow. So you cannot yeah. have that. So I remember him handing me the McDonald's box. And you're four and a half. I'm four and a half. Yeah. And uh, so I wanted to cry too because yeah. well, my mom was crying. So like, what did I do? I, I literally put saliva on my on my face like, oh, I'm crying with you, mom. Because like, I, I love my mom. So whatever she goes through, I want to go through it. So a few months passed by. I finally kind of get to meet my dad. And at this time, we're also kind of building a house down there. Like the foundation has already gone through. The walls are going up. But that's all with the money that my dad had sent back, mm -hmm. you know, to, to Mexico. Um, so then probably in a, another six months after he's been there for like just for a few months, he decides, him and my mom decide that it's time for us to come, all of us to come here. So they gather the money and we left in March, right at the beginning of March. So we traveled. What year was this? 2002. Okay. So yeah, it was 2002. We left around March, like the start of March. And we headed from Oaxaca up to Mexico City, from Mexico City to Juarez. And then Juarez, I remember my parents just got together with another group of people. And I was the only kid in the group, like mm -hmm. the only kid. So they, the people that organized this took my parents and like, I think there was like seven other people. And my mom was the only woman in the group too. So she was the only female in, out of all of these men. So my mom and dad say goodbye to me because they have to go a different route. They have to cross the desert four days and or four nights and three days. They have to just walk, walk. And I do remember that we all, all three of us had brand new clothes. Um, until this day, actually, I still have all the clothes that I wore that day. I, wow. I have it in my house. Wow. So I had my little book bag on. I got in the back of a van with this lady. And it's, you're, you're five? I'm still six, four and a half four right and now. Half. Yeah, okay. I'm about to turn five because yeah. my birthday is in April and we left okay. around March. So I get in the van and we take off. After saying goodbye to my mom, I don't, I didn't cry. I don't remember crying, but how I got over was my name wasn't Rodrigo anymore. My name was Alex. So I used paperwork from another kid that was my same age, but born here, hmm. but he was at home. But you know, the officials don't know that. So when we crossed the border, they didn't ask questions because I was so young. Um, and I was sleeping in the car, so they just left it alone, just looked at the paperwork. Okay. That's him mm -hmm. go through. So we went through and I think I went all the way to Arizona with this family and I stayed there for a whole week. So my name was Alex for a whole week. So Alex, they would call me Alex, Alex. How weird was that? It was weird. Like it, it was so much all at once cause I was so young. Yeah. So I didn't know how to process it. Um, so I'm living with this family for a week 
and they their original son is there. He's my, you know, same age, same height, same everything. So his name is Alex. I call him Alex. He calls me Alex because he knows no better. <laughs> yeah. And on the last day of that week, I I was about to cry. Actually, I cried because I remember I was outside in the swing on the swing set with him and the swing, my swing happened to snap. Mm. And so I felt. So just that and the fact that I knew my parents were gone. Like I, I was just feeling it right there. So I started to cry and then they comforted me and then they took me to church. When we came back from church, um, I just heard voices in the kitchen and it was my mom, my dad and oh, everyone. Wow. So, but I, I still vividly remember the smell too of everyone because yeah. it, they smelled very bad. It, it like just body yeah. odor and just, yeah. it was horrible. And then I just looked down because they were around a table like this and I looked down and the new shoes that they had bought were gone. Like no shoes at all. None of them had shoes. Hmm. And so I remember just running up to them and like hugging them and just eating with them. And we had one night there and we slept together. And then I think we had to leave early at like 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. or something from Arizona because we were actually headed to Georgia. That's where I, we had family. So we were headed to Georgia. So we got up early. We got in this red Ford F-150 pickup truck with the bed cover. And uh, everyone except for me, my mom and my dad got in the back of the bed. So they sat, they went inside the bed and they sat with, you know, under that cover. Mm -hmm. Me, my mom and my dad sat with the driver. And um, we're just driving, we're driving. And then we're about to leave uh, like Phoenix or Arizona, sorry. And we stop at a it's almost like a TA gas station, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a Wendy's there attached to it. Everyone gets out except for me and my mom. Me and my mom just stay in the car. My dad got out. And I remember he got me like the kid's meal from Wendy's. And it came with this green and purple harmonica. And yeah. I wish I, I still had it, but I don't yeah. know where it's at. So we got back in the car. And I'm sure that someone saw this activity at the gas station. So someone called it in. Yeah. So we take off probably like two miles, three miles down the road, we get pulled over. So as soon as we, my mom saw the lights, I remember her saying like, this is it. She's like, I'm not doing this again. Not, mm. not walking again. Mm. And so my dad was like, well, you know, it is what it is. You know, mm -hmm. we're going back. We're getting sent back. That's fine. You know, at least we have each other. So we get pulled over and I just remember the cop coming around, but it wasn't a cop. It was, it was ice because he had on his green uniform, mm -hmm. you know, the patrol. So he comes around, he, he tells everyone to get out of the back. He tells me, my mom and my dad to stay in the car, but he gets the driver out. He handcuffs everybody and then a bunch of squad cars show up. So they put Including everyone. Including you? No, I was still in the car with my parents. Okay. They told, the cops told us not to get out. Yeah. So they took everyone else out and they handcuffed everyone, put them in the back of squad cars. And then he comes back and he spoke very broken Spanish, but he asked my parents, is this your kid? And he and my mom and dad go, yeah, that this is our son. So the cop goes, hey, I, I can't take him to jail or I can't take him to where I'm taking these guys because it's completely different from jail and prison. So he's like, what I want you to do is I want you to take the truck I want you to take your wife, I want you to take your kid, and I want you to drive, and I want you to keep going until you find the nearest police station, and then just turn yourself in, because it's a different process when you turn yourself in through the police department in the states rather than the patrol ca catching you, right? So, obviously, my dad 
knows like the cops has a good heart, right? So the cops mm-hmm. basically telling you just go, just go, yeah, get to where you need to go, and don't ever talk about this again, right? So yeah. that happened. We we left. We kept going. We never turned ourselves in, and um, till this day, my mom tells me every day like you're the reason why we're here because they couldn't take you. Because if, if, if you weren't there with us, we would have been back at square one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the, I think the car, we finally somehow get in contact with the like original owners of the truck. So the driver, mm-hmm. his family, and we stopped somewhere in Mississippi and I think we dropped off the truck for them because it wasn't ours. So then what they did for us is they drove us from Mississippi to Atlanta, Georgia. And that's where we kind of just everything started. Wow, what what an amazing story! And and all of this before you're, I mean, five, right? I mean, just the the early years and the sacrifices that your parents went through to try to create a better life for you. I saw the tattoo that you had uh, with, yeah. I mean, I wish everybody could see this tattoo I'm looking at. It's it's your mom and dad. It's kind of in silhouette. Um, it's there's so much emotion in that tattoo to me. How does that? How does that story? You know how you got here impact you now today? Um, I'm very humble, very mm-hmm. very humble, very grateful more than anything because even though, so in a sense, I am the first generation of my family to do what it is that I'm doing now, even yes. though it's not like this big wow thing. Right. But, um, I'm very grateful that they were able to give me this opportunity. Um, just for being able to learn everything that I know. So for me, um, I promised them I would go to college, which I did. And I could only go for two years because I was paying out of pocket tuition because at the time I was only a resident of the United States. So that, that's a whole nother process too, which I'm, I'm going to become a citizen this year. Excellent. Like I get my citizenship this you. year. But when you're a resident, uh, you don't get a lot of benefits, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. So they told me that I I couldn't get any grants, any sort of uh, financial aid. So everything that I do did go to college for, I had to pay out of pocket. So then I dropped out because I couldn't afford it at the time. Um, so in a sense, I felt like I let them down. Right. But, but your mom tells you every time she sees you that you're the reason they're here and you saved their life. And so you should feel proud every single day. And the, and the, and I do, and the way that I do feel proud is by, I just want them to, to finish off a comfortable life is what I want for them because they gave me a comfortable start to my life. Right. Yeah. So I want them to comfortably just financially be okay. So that's, that's my big goal in life is to make sure that they're good yeah. because I owe them. I owe that to them, right? Yeah. Um, I just feel humble and grateful that I'm here. And that's that's the thing that I just over and over play in my head every day, you know, Great, just be grateful for what you do have. Wow, that that is an amazing story. Thank you so much, Rodrigo, for, for sharing that with us. I, I'm sure that you know, there's there's so many that are in your situation or have been in your situation and 
you know, we don't think about that. Like when you just, just the challenge of wanting to come and live a better life. And, and you're, you're such an amazing employee for us and such a hard worker. And, you know, we're so grateful that you're here and that you survived through that and that your family did. Yeah. I'm very grateful too. And that's why I'm, I am the way I am because you don't like you said it you don't know what people go through so right. so in a sense if someone doesn't have a smile then i give them my smile mm. does that make sense yes absolutely so i i saw i asked you about the tattoo on your neck it says blessed tell me about that um i got that because of the same reason I, like everything that i do for me or do for anyone or do for my family I, i'm always thinking be humble right Mm -hmm. So this is a sign to me of like, you need to stay humble, stay yeah. humble because yeah. you're not better than anyone else. Just, and that's another thing too. I don't ever like to kind of tell, I don't talk about my story very often because I dislike comparing mm -hmm. because we've all been through different things in life. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's those challenges, that adversity that we face that shapes us into who we're meant to be. So when you, when you think about Rodrigo, 20 years from now, what's your, what's your goal? What, what do you want to look back on 20 years from now and say, yeah, I did it? Honestly, I just want to, like, I'm going to use this moment as an example. And my question to you at the end is going to be if I can have a picture with you, because yeah. that means a lot to me being in this spot now doing this. Because never in a million years would I ever have this opportunity if my parents wouldn't have given this to me, right? And I'm going back on vacation to Oaxaca here in, on Sunday. I'm going home to visit, which I haven't been back in two years now. But before that, I hadn't been back in 23 years. So wow. it had been 23 years since I saw my grandma, a bunch of family members just Mm -hmm. everything. So when I did go there for the first time again, I just got flooded with emotions. So I, I, in a sense, I just want, I just want my, my parents to be good. And when I do have kids, I want them to know that what they have wasn't, is what, you know, it, it's not, it wasn't easy for them to get that. I yeah. want them to know where all this came from and why they have it. Yeah. To, to keep that humble nature, you know, that appreciation. For life. Yes. And I also just want to make my the people back home where I'm from proud too. So like, I just want to give back to, to back home. Yeah. I know. I'm like so emotional too. This is just, uh, wow. I, I feel, I feel your story. I feel it. Right. And I mean, it's that, that, um, gosh, the gratitude that I feel that you shared that story with us, I feel that. So thank you. I really am touched. So I'm thinking now about your your perfect day. So you're you you've been through a lot. You know you have a, a a burden that your family went through. You went you came through it. 
You're such a well-adjusted person today. What do you like to do to have fun? Like, what does a perfect day look like for you? Um, I'm a very simple person. I uh, enjoy being outdoors a lot. Just being outside. I'm a very earth-like person. So it's just sitting outside, soaking the sun, um, working on my car. I love cars. Um, What's your dream car? I don't have a dream car, but one car that's in a humble sense that I tell myself that I'm going to I'm someday going to have because that's how I speak to myself is if I tell tell myself I'm going to have it, I'm going to have it. And uh, it's going to be a Porsche GT3 RS. All right. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen, Rodrigo. I feel it. That would be awesome. I'll see you driving into the parking lot one day in that Porsche. All right. Well, we're coming to the end of our interview, uh, our our conversation, let me call it. I told you I was going to give you an opportunity to ask me any question, and I told and you told me you you want to have a picture with me, which, which we'll absolutely do. But what question would you like to ask? Okay, you that have in a sense been in in a same kind of situation of coming from nothing to something. What is some good advice that you would give? You know, one of the things you just said is I like to put stuff out there. Like I like to have a goal to shoot for. I like, you know, I want that Porsche someday. That was me. Like, you know, when I was 20, I said someday I want to run a company, which at the time seemed like impossible, right? But I had that North Star my whole life. It was like that thing that kept me going when people told me I couldn't do it. You know, you have a lot of, you have You'll find there's a lot of people who tell you that, right? That you you think you can do that? No, you can't do that. And so it it really took that that force of will, that fierceness within me and that north star just believing, believing that I could make it happen was the key for me. And it sounds like you already have that. And you know, I think that adversity that you went through gave you that ability to believe. So I say never lose that. Never lose that ability to believe. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's good advice. One other thing, too, that um, my mom always tells me, too, which is just have faith. Just have faith. Without faith, you're nothing. Absolutely. Well, Rodrigo Yaskas, you inspire me. Thank you. I'm very inspired by you because look at what you've done, where you've gotten. Yeah. I can't wait to interview you in 20 years. We'll make it happen. All right.